Joining us today on The Shift is Lisa Rowan. Lisa is Research Vice President for International Data Corporation, IDC, and responsible for global research on human capital and talent management. She's written passionately about how software is elevating the conversation around the modern workforce and how companies can use technology and data-driven decision-making to better serve their employees. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to The Shift. Okay, so I'll kick it off, Lisa. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We haven't had the privilege of having an analyst on our podcast yet. So this is exciting. And we think our audience is going to dig being able to hear from somebody that's so steeped in the industries that we talk about a bit. So let's start by, can you just tell us a little more about IDC and how do you use analysis and insight to think about helping execs through tough times, like the one we're in, in terms of making Mm -hmm. decisions based on, on research? Just talk to us a little bit about what you do and what the company does. Yeah, actually, I love my job. Being an analyst, you're actually uh, talking to both suppliers of technology as well as consumers. So I call it the ultimate nosy job because you get to poke in all the different areas and understand what vendors are doing, understand what buyers are doing, and so forth. And really what we do is we look at and analyze all the trends. And so my particular area is human capital management. So I look at trends in technology and services associated with everything related to the HR function. The CHRO is actually uh, the leader in terms of the role that I support from a research perspective. IDC itself has been around for over 60 years, and we are the second largest tech analyst firm in the world located in Massachusetts. Wow. So that's a big analyst firm. So it sounds like you're talking to all sorts of people. I mean, so Sean, I'll let you get a word in edgewise, I promise. But this must be kind of a crazy time to be guiding and giving advice to tech executives specifically, or to just executives in a variety of industries about tech. So what are the topics of conversation that you're advising on these days? I mean, what's hot? What's top of the marquee? Yeah, well, I don't think it's going to be any surprise, Maria, that the pandemic had a huge effect on IT spending on the human capital management function because it had such a big effect on where and how work is done. So we're still kind of feeling the effects of that. There's a lot of activity around hybrid work, who goes back to work, who can stay remote. Kind of once you let the genie out of the bottle, it's very hard to put it back. You can't put toothpaste back in the tube, even though folks like Elon Musk will declare everyone goes back to the office. That's not necessarily what's happening. So I think that with that comes a whole lot of other ramifications. How do we accommodate for the fact that some of our workers are on work site, others are remote? How do we instill a sense of belonging and camaraderie and community when we can't be in the same room. So there's a whole lot around around all of that. And that kind of leads us into the topic of looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think that that is becoming very much at the forefront 
as companies look at all of the ESG initiatives, kind of the environmental, social, and governance, when we look at the S pillar of social, huge component of that is people and work. And I think as a result of that, there's a ton of interest in the whole area of diversity, equity, inclusion, as we're looking at the fact that there's been a huge rise in turnover, voluntary turnover. They call it the great resignation. Others call it the great reshuffle. But there's so much been happening that my particular area, looking at work and the worker and HR, and all of that's been highly interesting and very, very busy. Lisa, we're going to be very good friends. So we, as a firm, have a big focus on HR tech and just how technology can, you know, we have a, a whole theme around technology, making workplaces more equitable and inclusive and being able to get the best out of people. So we can talk on this podcast, but then I'm going to need your cell number. And if you don't mind yeah. me texting you for advice as we come up with our investment themes, would love to spend more time together. But you talked about turnover being a problem. What are the biggest problems that you're hearing you gave us the high-level themes. Turnover was a specific problem that you mentioned. What are the other problems that you think, if companies were focused on just solving these problems, there's just massive opportunity, everybody would sign up to buy this. What are those problems that you think, like, like I should be looking for companies that are looking to solve these problems? Well, one of the other themes, or going along with all of this, Sean, is the fact that we as consumers have the capability to do tons of things at home. Technically, you know, I don't have the smartest home, but my nephew is, I went to his place for Thanksgiving and it's like his turkey was even talking back, you know, <laughs> I mean, really and truly. And, you know, I've got my, a new phone and Siri does everything for me. I didn't even touch it. And so, you know, all of that is coming to work. And so I think workers are looking for that same level of intelligence in the workplace. So they're looking for faster, smarter, easier tools to use. They don't want to be context switching between checking on my pay, checking on this, checking on that, signing up for my benefits. I had to do that last week and it was horrible. It was the ugliest, horriblest experience and everyone I work with said the same thing. So all of that is kind of coming to the forefront. And as part of that, we look at the employee experience. And you know, so that is a set of examples for how technology can help workers do a better job of getting their jobs done. But beyond that, getting back to ESG, different generations are coming to the workforce from different perspectives. And the not to generalize, but our younger workers are looking for meaning in their work. And so, you know, that's been a big part of why a lot of folks change jobs. I don't really feel as though I can back the mission of the enterprise. So I'm going to go find something else to do. So all of that's coming together in a big whirlpool. So there is no one magic silver bullet, Sean, as to technology to invest in. But I think that there's a lot that needs to go on at the culture perspective. So technology alone cannot fix 
all of the problems that are out there. We need culture change. And we talk about, you know, what are the biggest problems? Turnover is a big problem. Finding the right skills is the biggest problem. But when I do my survey work, you know, it's a little disheartening that one of the top challenges seen is employee productivity. It's not that people are not being productive just because you can't see them for the eight hours a day doesn't mean they're not getting the work done. And so I think that there's a need for flexibility from a culture perspective as well as a managerial perspective. Understand and appreciate that your workers will get their work done the way they can best get it done. You might have a doctor's appointment for your two-year-old at two o'clock in the afternoon online on Zoom, but that doesn't mean you're not going to be back on checking your email at 10 o'clock tonight. So I think that it's culture, it's being flexible, it's being open to change, open to new ways of doing things and giving employees the tools they need to get the job done and asking them how they're doing. And when you ask them how they're doing, if it's not good, do something about it. You, you ask me 10 times, how's my week? How am I doing? You will all these pulse surveys. And I tell you that I don't have the right tool to do my expenses. Well, if you ask me that next week and I tell you again, and I don't see that you're doing something about it, then I'm not going to be happy. Do you see a backlash happening? I mean, so I feel like I'm hearing a lot of my peers start to talk about frustration with exactly what you're mentioning. You know, are my people working? I feel like remote work has sort of taken this turn that's starting to really impact our productivity. When are you going back to the office? We've all got to get back into the office. This whole thing was an experiment that's failed. I mean, where do you see this going from the perspective of in a tighter job market? Do you think employees will still think or feel this is so important that they will be willing to walk. And on the other side of it, I do think we have to be really mindful of how this has leveled the playing field for people that come from diverse backgrounds. So whether that's disabilities, whether it's people of color who just feel more able to participate in a role when it's remote and they're not having to deal with microaggressions that may happen in person. Just curious, like, do you see this changing and do you see... Like, what do you see happening next from your research? Uh, yeah, I think progressive organizations, organizations that are truly embracing diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, are much more open to understanding that the workday isn't what was decided upon in the Industrial Revolution in the post-war era. I mean, that's where we get the 40-hour week, the eight-hour day. That's a long time ago. Times change. And so I think progressive organizations are figuring out that there is ample opportunity to be flexible. Um, and our understanding that what I described, someone has to do something in the middle of the day. Maybe it's just putting on the laundry or starting a slow cooker meal, whatever it might be. They'll make up for it later or they get the job done. Shouldn't we be more focused on the quality of work rather than the quantity of hours. You know, I really think it's all about is the work getting done. Now, obviously, they're frontline workers. You need people to clean rooms in hotels, and you need people to 
actually show up at the restaurant and cook the food and share the food and distribute the food. So a little bit of what I talk about is a little bit biased towards knowledge workers. But, you know, on the other hand, I think look around and lots of restaurants have closed half the time because they can't find wait staff. So, you know, something sort of has to give. I think we're all on the same page around, you know, the need for organizations to be flexible and to be able to work to get the best out of their employees. And I think we're all on the same page, too, around how the past couple of years has allowed us to accelerate some changes that were necessary within the, the workplace. You talked about culture being super important to doing that well. What are other things? It can't be, all right, everybody do their own thing. What are some other things that you're learning around best ways to actually implement more flexible, hybrid uh, work <laughs> and equitable practices into organizations? And is, is what's the role of technology in that as well? Sure. I think that there are organizations or companies around that are doing creative things like they will designate a particular day of the week or days of the month or what have you that are in office day. So people can plan around that. And they know that when they go to the work site, the office, what have you, they'll see other people there, which is really the draw. I mean, the way we are kind of today, willy-nilly, I go on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, but my colleagues go on Thursdays and Fridays, and so we never even see each other. The goal, I think, of bringing people back to a place is to bring back community or in-person community and kind of have that collaborative environment. And so I think that there are companies out there, I think, that are doing a good job of building those capabilities so that there will be food in the cafeteria on those days. There will be special offices available to collaborate in or private rooms where you can do your business calls or meetings. And so they're working up around an infrastructure that while you're still flexible, I still work home on Monday, Mondays and Fridays, I'm able to go to the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and be with other people and collaborate, et cetera. So, and along with that, there are tools that are coming online to help build hybrid communities such that if we are all getting together and half the people are in the remote work sites and half are in the office, you can do better job of kind of collaborating. So the bias isn't towards the people in the room. And so I think that's where technology helps. Technology also helps with keeping track on booking office space and all those kinds of administrative type things. So all of that goes towards doing a better job of managing a hybrid workplace. Yeah. And I think, I think Sean, you and I talk about this a lot. Flexibility is one part of a strong culture. And I think one of the things that you emphasized so much at your summit that you all did so well a couple of weeks ago is just that if you're really focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, you know, a strong culture is one part flexibility, but so many other parts that have to be contributed. And that really starts from the top down. And I guess what I'm curious about, Lisa, as a company that's really focused on workplace equity, because we 
allow companies to analyze and resolve pay and opportunity gaps and fix those. Do you see this becoming more of a category and whether it's workplace equity or like you mentioned at the beginning of this call, the S and ESG and figuring out what is social, it's a very opaque thing, but there's more and more organizations trying to define it and help companies actually grade themselves on how they're doing against it. Do you see more and more tech flowing into this space? And and if so, how do you think that's going to shake out and in what time frame? Or just really any sure. thoughts you have on that? Sure, absolutely. I just have written it's going to be published probably next week, a piece on the fact that I believe that, and I'm hanging it on diversity, but saying that diversity will be the biggest driver of HR tech investment in 2023. I really truly believe it. It's just a matter of you have to start thinking about broadening your workforce because it's finding it's getting more difficult to find people to fill certain roles because oftentimes you are fishing in the same pond all the time. So you need to find you know, alternative sources, you have to think about the fact that maybe not all of these positions require a full college degree. Maybe we actually start up our own internal training program. Years ago, companies did that. They had their own management training program. They would hire directly from school and then kind of build their own team. And so I think that we're going to see a rise of internal universities and looking at different sources or diverse sources or sources that I don't normally look at to attract, from which to, to attract talent. And you mentioned earlier, Maria, that being more flexible about location would make it easier to open up your hiring pool to a broader set of candidates because you won't have to stay in XYZ city proper and commute distance, you'll be able to branch out and maybe look into other areas where people will be able to fulfill the positions, but from a home office. So I think that next year, we're going to see an awful lot in the way of further introduction of technical capabilities to support all the facets around diversity. Of course, compensation being a key component of that. I think you and I have talked already, Maria and I wrote in a piece uh, uh, that um, really you need to look at compensation and diversity and everything related to diversity, equity, inclusion at all the stages of the employee life cycle from pre-hire through to retirement alumni networks. And there's an opportunity to embrace equity at every stage, and we need to do that. Um, And so I think that there will be a lot of HR buyers walking around trade show floors with a checklist of what they're looking to buy next year. I'm super curious about this report that you're putting out around diversity being the biggest driver for 2023 in HR tech. I mean, I think 
that's good news to us. I mean, do you mind sharing a little bit more about what sort of led you to that thesis? And because that's that's super positive, I think, in terms of how we look at this and it not being backburnered because of the stuff happening in the market. What what led to that thesis and also just a little bit more on on what specifically the opportunities are and what's the opportunity for tech for tech? Sure. Well, my thesis is really just looking at all of the inquiries that I take from buyers from the perspective of IDC research. So buyers get in touch. And it's been a huge uptick around DEI and B. Who else is doing what? What are they doing? How do we do it? What are the best practices, et cetera, et cetera? And I think, and sadly, I think some companies are just looking for a checklist and they haven't undertaken the the necessary step of uh, examining their culture, making sure that they're ready and really prepared to embrace capabilities, et cetera. But I think that there are a variety of ways in which their technology can come into play. So one of the charts in the report looks by company size, and it it asks them, when it comes to DEI and B, rank the following in terms of how your organization will prioritize issues and resources. And so how it turned out, so this was research that I did earlier this year. And with the smallest companies, believe it or not, number one was tools to identify and resolve compensation inequity. So I think smaller companies are actually feeling a lot of pain there right now, which I thought was was interesting. For companies with between 500 and 2,500 employees, they were number one priority is to find resources and strategies to help detect and prevent recruiting bias. So that was top of mind for them. And for the very largest companies, 2,500 to over 10,000, they were looking for tools and resources to help them expand or reconfigure the way they are looking at talent pools to source more diverse candidates. So those are kind of the three types of tools and the size of company and how they're thinking about those things. Does that and, help? And Lisa, how do we get a how do we get a copy of this? Oh, it's paper? not published yet. It will be next week. And I will be sure that you have a copy. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving us a, a little preview of it. Sure, sure. One other thing that I took a look at, or several other things, I think it's important for companies, regardless of size to think about having a champion for diversity. Now, bigger organizations open up a whole office of diversity and hire a chief diversity officer, et cetera. And so I looked at companies, once again, of all across those different sizes. And right now, roughly about 50 plus percent of companies have somebody, but it's it's on the rise. And you would, as you would expect, the larger the company the more likely they have already hired somebody. 
putting it all together, it looks like about almost 60 or so, so percent, 55, 60% either have a chief diversity officer or plan to have somebody in that role in the next 12 to 18 months. So these are the reasons why my prediction is associated with this is going to be a hot topic. Got it. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. We really appreciate your time today. And I think it was a great conversation and also appreciate you giving us a sneak peek into, I think, a pretty powerful prediction. I think, Sean, you'd probably say the same in that a little surprising, honestly, to me. Yeah, I thought, I thought a lot of these issues would be deprioritized. Same. Maybe that's too pe pessimistic of a, of a view. So I'm encouraged and hopeful and excited for the way that we're going to be able to shape organizations and help create a more equitable workplace as a result of actual data and conversations with leaders and and folks who are actually doing the work on what actually matters. So that's mm -hmm. powerful data that we're looking forward to. to I, yeah, and my, my bottom line point, Sean and Maria, is is that in my view, it's not no longer going to be, it's the right or nice thing to do. It's that we have to Competitive do it. Competitive thing, yeah, yeah. It's required. And so that's where I believe we're going. And it's the right direction to go. So. And any last bits of advice that you can share that you've been giving with executives from this perspective when they come to you asking for your advice about how to start, what where to go, where to look. I mean, what do you what do you tell them? Because I think that'd be great for our listeners to know. Sure. There are no doubt companies in your local area, your Acme Corp out of you know Minneapolis. There might be some companies there that are on great places to work or best places to work. Look at those companies and pick one or two of them and talk to them. What are you doing? Ask them. Try to meet, you know, if you're the head of HR, see if you can get an appointment with the HR person at another company or diversity executive at the other company. And ask them, what are you doing and how are you doing it? People will help. That's a great place to end. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa, so much. This is the start of a long friendship between the two of us. I like making new friends. <laughs> Me too. We'll talk we're we're okay. friends. We'll All right. Thanks, Thank everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Shift and a special thank you to our guest, Lisa Rowan, for joining us. We'll see you next time as we continue to explore how companies, leaders, activists, and employees are tackling inequity in the workplace and driving a diverse, stronger, and more productive economy for all. Make sure to tune in on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.